All right, we're going to jump into the God's Word today. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. All right, that's 1 John chapter 4, uh, verse 7 to 11. And we're in the series uh, called Image Bearers. We started that last week. Uh, this is our second week, uh, learning about who God is. And in the process, learning about who we are uh, as image bearers of God. So 1 John chapter 4. Verse 7 to 11, let me read this for us, and then Peter will come speak. Um, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Um, It doesn't feel right if we don't do it. Can you turn to the person next to you and say, welcome to church. One more time, welcome to church. Come on. I'm doing that because I'm just giving you guys a heads up today. Uh, at the end of our talk, uh, th- there will be a time where we pray together. So please scope the people around you, and um, we'll spend a bit of time together after the, the sermon together today. But hello, everyone. Welcome to church. Um, I hope you had a good week. Um, it is very good to have you here with us today, particularly if you are, uh, you know, slightly new or newish. Um, last week, like Pastor Paul said, we started a new sermon series called Image Bearers, um, We believe that we've been made in the image of God, and yet by the sin and brokenness in ourselves and the sin and brokenness of our world, that we have abandoned um, these characteristics of God. And so in this series, we're spending a few weeks looking at the characteristics of God, and and hopefully um, so that we can see those characteristics reflected in and through us as God's church and God's people. And so today we'll be looking at um, God's loving character. God is loving. And I want to spend a bit of time trying to explain what that might mean so that we might also, as a reflection, uh, be a loving people as God calls us to. Uh, And hopefully we'll figure that out together today. Why don't I pray and then we'll jump into this topic together. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us to think and see beyond the limited understandings of love that we are surrounded by in this world. But won't you grant us a deeper appreciation for the love of God ultimately portrayed for us in the gospel of Jesus Christ? We need you, Lord, to see you, and we need you to love you more. So help us to see you for who you are and fill us with a passion and desire to live our lives loving the King and loving your people the way you want us to. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So love. uh, Love is the topic today. What comes to your mind when you think of the word love? When I told my wife this week that I'm preaching on love, she laughed and she said, oh, cool, you love love, right? Um, and of course, she meant, what she meant by that was I love love songs. I love a nice, you know, cheesy, romantic comedy love movie. I love it when people love people. I just love it when people get along, you know, and in the room there's love, and um, I love it. And so, yes, I love love. And, and perhaps those are the kind of things that you think about as well when you think about the word love. 
Um, Jen Wilkin, in her book, In His Image, reflects on how the word love in today's context comes with so much baggage. Uh, she says it comes with linguistic and cultural baggage in today's day and age. Linguistic baggage in the sense that we throw it around to describe anything. The fact that I can say I love my family and I love uh, pizza can be in the same sentence or same conversation shows the linguistic baggage that this word comes with. But also, love is turned cultural. Rather than having a clear definition, love is often defined with science uh, as hobbies or, or romance in today's day and age. And so more than ever as Christians, uh, it is hard to understand and appreciate it when we hear that God is loving. God loves you. What does that mean? When you hear God loves you, God loves us. Is it that kind of romantic, singing love songs, cheesy love movies vibe that God has for us? Or is it that we are his property and he cherishes us like his property? What does it mean? Because it's no secret, you know, we know that God loves us. We say it all the time. We sing about it. What does it mean? And, and though we probably cannot define God's love in one clear, simple sentence today, I do believe that we can come to a slightly clearer understanding together by looking at the definition of love shown to us in the Bible and observing God's demonstration of love shown to us through Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're going to look at today. And my hope is that this definition of love and demonstration of love that we'll see uh, might cause us to be filled with a determination to love uh, as we go out from this place so that we might be image bearers of our loving God. Amen? That's our goal for today. So let's begin with the definition of love. Now, if you're interested, a lot of this has been drawn from Jen Wilkins' book, uh, In His Image. And um, also, a lot of these concepts have been explored by C.S. Lewis in The Four Loves. And so if you're interested, please check out these resources and, and dive deeper into these topics. Um, but here's, what the idea, here's the idea that both these authors explore. The Bible was not originally written in English. Um, it was in Aramaic or Hebrew for the Old Testament and Greek for the New Testament. And so it's often helpful to go back to the original language to try and figure out, you know, what it was trying to say. Uh, especially for cases like today where the English language doesn't quite do justice or the English language can be a little confusing or hazy. It's helpful to go back to the original language and, and see what it means because that can do a little bit more justice to the actual definition of that word. And so it is with love today, this word that can mean so many things in today's day and age, depending on the context and depending on where, you know, who you say it to and who you say it with. There are four common words that the Greek Bible uses for love, and here they are. Uh, we have eros, which is uh, romantic love. Uh, we have storgi, which is familial love, like family love. Uh, we have philia, which is a love between friends. And then we have, maybe you've heard it before, agape which is godly love. You may have heard it before. And each of these words uh, describe and define a very different kind of quote-unquote love. And C.S. Lewis in his book uh, dives into each of these words. Uh, and so check it out. But here's the interesting thing. Eros and storgi is not found in the New Testament. Philia is found a few times in the context of like brotherly love or friendships. But the word used most exclusively and commonly to describe the love of God and the love that God has, God wants his people to show is agape, that word. 
And even if it's not agape specifically, words that find root in that word and words that are derived from that word are used all throughout the New Testament to describe the love that God has for us and the love that God calls us to. Romans chapter 5 verse 8, but God shows his love, that's agape, for us in that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Greater love, agape, has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Matthew 22, 37, you shall love the Lord your God, agape, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, agape. John 13, 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And I mean, I could go on. That's the point. It's all over, all over the place. So what does agape mean? It's a, it seems pretty important to define that word, right? Well, here is how a um, Greek scholar defines this word for us. An intelligent, purposeful attitude of esteem and devotion, a selfless, purposeful, outgoing attitude that desires to do good to the one loved. So unlike the traditional kinds of touchy-feely love that we may imagine in today's context, agape actually has more to do with a passionate commitment and a committed service and devotion to the one that the love is directed towards. Jen Wilkins says this in her book. She says, agape does not merely feel, it acts. 259 times, which is apparently how many times agape comes out, the Bible describes a love that acts. Whilst we may think of love as a warm feeling in our hearts, the Bible uses it more as a fiery commitment. A fiery commitment. And so with that definition in our minds, the verses that we just read above start to look a little different. A little less rosy and a little bit more ferocious. Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Here's my definition. It's not as good. An unconditional, selfless, active show of commitment to the one you love. That is godly love. That is the love with which God loved us. And that is the love that, that is the kind of love that God calls us to love him with and love one another with. Now, does that surprise you? Does that surprise you? Is that what you had in mind when you heard, God loves me, God loves you? Is that what you have in mind when you say to the Lord, I love you, when we sing, I love you? And is that how you approach your brothers and sisters at church here when you seek to love them in Christ? And if I'm honest, as somebody who loves love in the romance touchy-feely, happy vibes kind of way, I struggle with this. Because for me, love is a feeling. It's such a feeling, right? But perhaps, and I thought about it this week as I, as I studied through this, that is perhaps why my love for God and my love for people can often be so fleeting because I base it on my feelings, which we all know is unreliable. And I wonder if that is what God had in mind 
when he said, I love you, I want you to love one another. Because you see, unlike the worldly kinds of love that demand reciprocation and reason, or else you're not worthy of my love, godly agape love demands no condition or affection even, but rather declares commitment and service to you. Godly agape love demands no condition or affection even, but rather declares commitment and service to you. I think the closest thing I can get to trying explaining this on a human level is how maybe parents may feel with newborn babies. The baby may poop, they may cry, they may keep their parents up all night, but their love and commitment is unscathed through it all. That is a deep love that just goes beyond simple feelings. I'm not a parent like yet, we don't have a baby yet, but I'm sure there are some days, parents, where you're like, oh, the feelings aren't there. It's actually annoying. But the love is unscathed and the commitment is unscathed through it all. And the reality is, this is a supernatural kind of love. It's a supernatural kind of love. We, in our sinfulness, cannot work this out on our own. Whether it is with our love for God, or whether it is with our love for one another, we are just by nature selfish, we are calculating, and we are wavered by our feelings too much. Which is why, finally coming to our text for today, John says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 to 8, Beloved, let us love, this is agape, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Verse 8, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. This passage calls us to love one another, and we'll talk about that at the end. But the point that John is making here is that the source of this love, the how of this love, the place where this kind of supernatural, amazing, agape love can be found is God. To be able to love God when my circumstances suck, to be able to love those around me when they aren't good to me, that kind of agape committed love that goes beyond our feelings, that, that God calls us to in the Bible, is found in God alone. For love is from God, John says. Do you want to live in a, do you want to love in a godly way? Well, you need God. And if you don't have God, you can't love like this. Why? Because God is love, agape. John says. And so as we observe this definition of godly love, the, the key isn't to come before God today and say, you know, I want more love today, God. I want more love. Because we're just trying to imitate what only God can give us. But rather, I believe it is to come before God and ask for a greater understanding of who he is. Show more of yourself to me, Lord. Lord, I want to know you so that I might know this love, truly. 
Know what it feels like to be loved like this and know what it looks like to love like this. Make this love known to me. I want to know you, Lord. Come into my life. Here's what John Piper says. When John says that love is from God, he doesn't mean it's from him in the way that letters are from a mailman or even letters are from a friend. He means that love is from God in the way that heat is from fire or the way that light is from the sun. Love belongs to God's nature. It's woven into what he is. It's part of what it means to be God. The sun gives light because it is light and the fire gives heat because it is heat. I think that kind of helped me understand that verse. Here's the point. I think we often, uh, because we often define love with our feelings first, uh, we often withhold it from God and with what from one another. When we don't feel like giving it or when we don't feel like they deserve it. Think about how you walk into church on Sunday mornings when we're called to sing, when we're called to pray and do these things. What goes through your mind? How do I feel? Do I want to do that? When we see people around us and when we you know, are told by the guy at the front to say hi to the person next to me, how do, how do I feel right now? That's kind of how we, I think, process these things. And don't get me wrong, uh, I'm not saying that feelings are unimportant. I am the biggest fan of feelings. If you look at 1 Corinthians 13, the famous wedding verse, uh, love is patient, love is kind, love that one. The love there is agape as well. And so, yes, godly love is absolutely a feeling. There is warmth there. There is romance there. But we cannot understand appreciate and properly show this kind of warm and committed love truly without first knowing God truly. That's what the Bible is saying right now. Because he is love, the Bible says. So consider this. If you think that you lack this kind of agape love in your life, you quickly turn from God when things don't work out, you, you refuse to, or you struggle to sing when, you know, you've had a hard week. You fail to love because that guy wasn't nice to me. And you refuse to forgive just because I don't feel like it. Perhaps more than love, it, it is that you lack God in your life. And perhaps it is more of God that you need to seek after today. And the love will come out, as the Bible says, in your life. This kind of love. Not the, the warm, let me give you a hug, high five love, which is amazing. But the fiery, godly, committed, I see through your mistakes kind of love. Agape. It comes from knowing God. So there it is, my attempt at defining the love of God shown to us through his word. It is a love that is committed through shortcomings, and it is a love that is poured out without condition. It's a love that is committed through shortcomings, and it is a love that is poured out without condition. And if we struggle to picture what that looks like, or if you can't help but feel like, well, that's unfair, how can I love like that? Then we ought to remember that we have been loved by this love in this way, as we see God's demonstration of love shown to us through Jesus Christ. 
John writes, verse 9, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The gospel. Brothers and sisters, in case we forgot, in case you forgot, here's a reminder. You and I are unworthy of salvation. We are unworthy of heaven. We are unworthy of God's love. But praise the Lord, for he is love. And praise God that his love is agape love, a love that goes beyond reason, a love that goes beyond affection, a love that rather acts in commitment and devotion rather than to calculate feelings and wrongdoings. And praise him that we are the subjects of this kind of love. Brothers and sisters, uh, God demonstrated this love to us, for us. He manifested that love for us, John writes in this passage. He put on display his commitment to us when he sent his son Jesus Christ to us to put on self, sinful flesh that we might live through him. And let's not get it wrong. It's not, it's not this. Oh, he has good feelings for us. He saved us. I think that's often what we think of when we think of the gospel. Oh, he loves me. He has good feelings for me. He, he saved me. No, the Bible says we were his enemies. There are no good feelings there with your enemy. And yet, his love is so great that he went to the, to the cross for us, to die for us, to be the propitiation or substitute as the receiver of God's wrath and die so that we may live. This is no ordinary love. It is amazing love. And it is amazing because it doesn't matter who you are and what you've done today, it is being offered to us all by God's grace. I love that. 1 John 3.16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. What better demonstration of agape love is there than the love that you and I have received, than the love that we celebrate in the gospel every single week here at church? Kingsway, I believe that to understand God's loving character, we really need God's, uh, the help of God's spirit. Because we live in a world where love is confused, uh, it's fleeting, and it's often based on feelings and our moods. But that's not how God loves us. And that's not how God loved you. I'm not trying to rob the gospel of any warmth or genuineness today. It may sound like that. I'm not. I actually think that it is, there is nothing more warm and genuine than to see through the mistakes of someone, the brokenness of someone, and extend commitment to them simply because I love you. And I, I hope and pray that we might feel in our hearts 
the amazement and wonder in the knowledge that I have been loved by God in this way. Especially if you walk into this place feeling a little broken today. Especially if you're sitting here feeling a little unworthy today. Especially if you feel a little unloved today or even unloving today. I hope and pray that we might feel in our hearts by God's grace and His Spirit the amazement and wonder in the knowledge that I have been loved by God in this way and that I am still today loved by God in this way. There is such a security there and confidence in knowing that this is the kind of love that I am loved with. And that is is how we should respond in praise and worship each week. In that knowledge. And so... With that definition of God's love, and again, looking to the amazing demonstration of his love shown to us through Jesus Christ, I hope and pray, and this is the point of today, is that we might be filled with a determination to love, to to love those around us like this, like this. And I want to end with John's conclusion and exhortation in our passage, verse 11. John writes, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I, I wish I could remember where I read this, but I read in a book somewhere long time ago. This is what I read. It's in my memory. That we are never more like God than when we love and forgive those around us. That really struck me, that that we are never more like God than when we are loving and forgiving those around us. When we think of godliness, we think of reading the Bible, we think of praying all day, we think of going on missions and things like that. But that is so true. If God is love, there is no better way to reflect him in our lives than to also love, to be loving. And not just in the corny, hey, let me give you a high five, hug kind of way, but to love differently than the world to commit to loving despite what they have done or what they have said or how close or not close we are, not calculating the things I or they have done or my feelings right now, but committing to love. For that is how we have first been loved by God, agape love. And so if we are to reflect the loving character of our God, I believe one of the first places that needs to begin is in the way that we love one another. Of course, in the way that we respond to God in love, and we'll do that as well, but I also think one of the most important ways that this needs to be reflected is in the way that we love one another. And perhaps John knew that, which is why not just here, but all throughout his writings, he always couples the love of God and our awareness of the love of God, and then he exhorts to love one another. All throughout this book, read it. He's like, God loves you, God is love. So love one another. If you would like to know this love, you need to know God. And to know God, we need to see Jesus Christ. And when we see Jesus Christ, then we will not only know this love, but we will also show this love to one another. Jesus said, John 13, 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples. This is how the world will know that you are mine. If you show this love. Why? Because to have this love, you need to have God. And so I thought it would be nice to to close like this today.
instead of me praying for us and everyone just putting their heads down and, you know, being individuals, um, I want us to practice extending this agape love right now, um, despite the discomfort and uh, despite the, the dread that many of us may feel right now, um, I want us to just spend some time, and we're going to do this literally right now, just breaking off into small groups of two to three around, with the people around you. You can just do it with the people next to you if you want to. And I just want to invite you guys to share and pray with one another. If you're not a Christian, that's fine. Just hang out, get to know one another. But I just want us to spend some time loving one another. But if you are a Christian, just asking how are you doing in your faith? And just praying for them and supporting them and loving them in that way. Uh, can we just do that as a community? We'll spend some time praying, loving one another, and then I'll come up again and we'll sing one last song and love the Lord together, and then we'll call it a day. Can we do that? Let's, let's pray.